0: Come with me, please, oddly enough, coincidentally enough, to Deuteronomy chapter 33, uh, which is where we were last Sunday night, if my memory serves me correct. And uh, just want to read a verse or so here, Deuteronomy chapter 33. Oh, by the way, could you just hold that there a second? Could you just hold everything? Chapter 33. Thanks, Evelyn, for that. Uh, I'm just reading verse 3 at this moment. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Amen. Now, shortly before Moses died, he gathered the 12 tribes together and he pronounced over them the patriarchal blessing, which I told you, I think it was just last week, uh, was a prophetic blessing. Uh, over them. And the crowning verse in the whole of Deuteronomy chapter 33 uh, is verse 29. And in verse 29 it says, "'Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty? Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you a people saved by the Lord?' Now, many years ago, Demas Shikarian uh, began an organization called the Full Gospel Businessmen International. He's long since died and went to the glory. Uh, but he wrote a little book. I never did read it, but I remember uh, uh, it had a fascinating title. It was called The Happiest People on Earth. That's a great title, isn't it? The Happiest People on Earth. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? And that's what we should be, isn't it? We are a people saved by the Lord, and we literally should be the happiest, most blessed people on the face of the earth. Now, there are many Christians who are not happy. In fact, some of them are sad, some are miserable, some are resentful, some are anxious and fearful, some are continuously negative and pessimistic. Now any of those attitudes can affect any one of us at any time for any number of reasons. Because life is life, and sometimes things happen to life which is unpleasant, uncalled for, unexpected, and you're unprepared for. But generally, by and large, for the most part that is, We still should be the happiest, most blessed people on the face of the earth. If God has saved us, we have something to be happy about, haven't we? And we certainly are the blessed people of God. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 33, there are several reasons why this is so. And that's what I want to speak to you about tonight just for a little while. First of all, because this is a reason why we're happy and blessed, Because we are on his heart. We're on his heart. That's the place of affection. In verse 3 it says, Yes, he loved the people. Love is something that is of the heart primarily, is it not? We say, I love so and so with all my heart. Or we say, I have been heartbroken. And we're talking about the seat of our affection. We're talking about our emotion, the place where we feel the most. We say to somebody, have a heart. In other words, have some feeling, have some compassion in you, have some sensitivity about you. And so whenever we say we're on his heart, we're talking about the place of affection. God is not dispassionate. God is not dispassionate. God loves us with heart, with passion, with feeling, with sensitivity. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. It says when He stood at the grave of Lazarus and He saw Mary and Martha, those dear ones, weeping, He wept also. He wept when He saw them weeping. And so that tells us that when Jesus was on the earth as a human being, He had feelings, He had emotions, things touched his heart. He felt deeply. Uh, The Bible says that whenever he sent the disciples out, seventy of them two by two, and whenever they come back again and they said what they had done in his name, the Bible says Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Uh, And so God is not someone who is dispassionate without any kinds of feelings or emotion or passion or sensitivity. He feels, he senses, he's sensitive. We're on His heart. God's love is more, though, than just passion. Because if God says to us that we ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, then we can't expect any less from Him. And so God's love is just not raw passion. God's love also calculates it assesses, it records, it accounts. The Bible says that even the very hairs of your head are all numbers. God's love is such, even though it is passionate, and even though it feels, and even though it's sensitive, but yet it calculates, it cares that much about you that God even numbers the very hairs on your head. He counts every single hair upon your head. That lets us know that God's love is more than just heat, it's light. And it's more than just light, it's heat. It's everything. God cares. In fact, uh, over there in Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus is speaking here in Matthew chapter 10. And in verse 29, he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I was reading a book the other day. My neighbor gave me a book about birds. And uh, I've got a bird feeder out the back, and I'm interested in those little birds that come to feed. And uh, I-, I was surprised to learn when I read the book how short a life uh, that the little birds has got. Uh, some of them, one season is all they will last. Uh, you know, sometimes you see those little robins, and, and you think it's the same little robin that comes to your uh, feeder every year, and it isn't actually. Uh Most of them, if they survive one winter, uh, and they have young, they may or may not survive to the next winter. And uh, I don't know if any of you have seen any wrens this year. I haven't seen one single solitary wren this year, probably because of the harsh winter. It just wipes them out. And so there are millions of all those little birds that are just dying every day, and we rarely ever see one dead. But God, it tells us, sees every single little sparrow even that falls. And that's why Jesus says, that even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So we have got a God who's passionate, who's compassionate, who feels, who's got a heart that's sensitive, and yet who's got a mind that calculates and counts and assesses and marks. And so that says a lot about our God, doesn't it? That we're on his heart, the place of affection, and then we are on in his hand, the place of security verse 3 it says all his sins are in your hand in John chapter 10 in John chapter 10 in verse 27 and following Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so God's hand speaks of protection. Aren't you glad tonight that you're in God's hand? You're not in the devil's hand tonight. You're not in the hands of men tonight, although they may like to think that that you are, but you're not actually. You're in the hands of God. And we heard from this pulpit this morning about the Chinese believers. We heard how that as they uh, come to church, maybe on a Sunday to worship the Lord, to wherever they meet, how that a bus will pull up and herd them all onto the bus. And the bus takes off and nobody knows where they're gone to. And so it may seem like in China today that the church is in the hands of the Chinese government, but actually it isn't. It's in the hands of God. Because in spite of what the Chinese government has been doing for all these years, the church is exploding with growth and vitality and life much more than we have got in this country. And so his hand speaks of the place of protection. His hand speaks of a place of preservation in Jude, Verse 24, it says that he is able to keep us from stumbling, from falling, and to present us faultless before God's throne. Isn't that amazing? That in all of your troubles and difficulties and temptations and trials of life, in all of the things that want to trip you up, in all of the ways the devil wants to snare your life, that he, God, is able to preserve you in the midst of all of that and to keep you from falling, to keep you from stumbling, so that at the end of this life, he can present you to the Father faultless before the throne. I think that's amazing. That's not within our capability to do that. That's not within our gift because we're weak. And we yield so easily so many times. And we forget that we serve a God who can keep us and preserve us in the difficulty if we turn to Him and if we lean upon Him. His hand speaks of protection. It speaks of preservation. His hand speaks of power. In Luke 11 and 20, Whenever the scribes and Pharisees were complaining to Jesus because He was casting out devils, and He says, you're the prince of devils, that's how you can cast them out. And He says, well, who do you? Who, what does that make your sons who cast them out? He says, if I with the finger of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. If I with the finger of God cast out demons. I wonder what finger He meant. I get the feeling He meant the little finger. <laughs> If I with the little finger of God cast out devils then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There's so much power that God has got that all he's got to do is raise a little finger. The God who spoke the universe into existence all he's got to do is wave a little finger and the devil has to cower and has to bend the knee. Amen? His hand speaks of protection, it speaks of preservation, it speaks of power, it speaks of provision. Psalm 145, 16, He opens His hand, and He satisfies the desire of every living thing. And so all of our provision comes from the hand of God. Now we know that we have jobs and careers and studies to do and businesses to run and all kinds of things. And we know that all of those things and each and every one of them is a, is, a, is a supply to us, a provision. Thank God for that. But we also know that God is the source of it. Because if each of those supplies dry up, what are you going to do? If God is not your source, what are you going to do? But God is the source It's from His hand. And that's why we should be thankful for what we've got and thankful for what we can do and thankful for the job we have if we have a job and thankful for the business if we have one. Thankful for the career if there is one. We should be thankful to God for that because it's in His hand. It's in His power. I'm thankful to God for His provision. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul recognized where the provision came from. came from God. He says, my God shall supply. He says, I have been times when I have had nothing, times when I have plenty. He says, "I, I can live with or I can live without. But he says, it's my God that supplies. He's the source. He's the one it all comes from. So his hand speaks of protection, it speaks of preservation, it speaks of power, it speaks of provision, it speaks of providence. Psalm 31:15, "My times," David said, are in your hand." Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that God's times for you? Because God has got times, specific times for your life. There's a general time, which is however long you're going to live upon this Earth. People say, well, three score years and ten. Well, it could be a lot longer than that. Moses wrote that, and he lived to his 120, so it could be a lot longer than three score years and ten, couldn't it? But however long it is, that's that's that time. But within that time, there are times. There are moments. There are days. There are seasons when God moves in our life. And we've all experienced that. Usually it's easier looking back on it and seeing that. But we've all experienced those special times in our lives when God moves. And there's a time to do what we're doing and there's time to do something else. So there's a time for all these things. And our times are in God's hands. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that from here on out, for however long you may live, that God has got special events panned out for you, marked in His diary for you, divine appointments for you to keep. I believe that. Absolutely, I believe that. So my times are in His hand. So therefore, that takes a lot of worry and fretting about my future because whatever it's going to be, it's in God's hands. And all I've got to do is keep walking softly and humbly before God, knowing the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And that goes for you ladies too, by the way. That's a generic term. So the steps of a, a good man Believer, could we say, are ordered by the Lord. And so that's a wonderful truth to know that we are in His hand tonight. No better place to be than in the hand of God. Place of security. Then we're at His feet. Verse 3, the place of instruction. They sat down at His feet. Everyone receives your words. The place of instruction. And that was the con. The commendation that Mary received from Christ in the house, remember, with her sister and her brother. And how that when the tea was being made, Martha busied herself, but Mary sat at his feet. And how that Jesus said, Mary has chosen the what? The good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was the good part? Sitting at the feet of the master, listening his words hearing his instructions, sensing that what he had to say was important. If it was important for him to say it, it was important for her to hear it. It's important for God to write this book for us. It's important for us to read it and to listen to what God's saying through it. I know I keep banging this drum, but listen, let me ask you a question. It's a vital question. How much time do you spend reading this book, looking into this book? think about it. You need to think about this book. You say, well, I'm not a very good reader. Well, you can buy CDs and you can buy tapes today and you can buy them and you can plug them in and somebody will read it for you. And you can drive along in your car and listen to the Word of God and get it into your soul, into your spirit. Listen to His instructions. It's great to do that and just spend some time at His feet receiving His words. Do you remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4? And how that whenever Jesus spent that little time with her, how the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And so while they were away, Jesus ministered to that dear lady and uh, read her life story, uh, got her wonderfully saved. She went into the village to tell all of her friends, come see a man who told me all things ever I did, is this not the Christ? And and so they were coming back. But meantime, the disciples come. And just as they're finishing their conversation, the disciples come, and they were amazed. And whenever she left, they says, Master, uh, we've got some food to eat. Remember what he said to them? He says, I have a food to eat that you do not know of. My food is to do the will of the Father. They were thinking of their bellies. He was thinking of eternal things, and that was more important to him than his food even, his necessary food in his stomach. And so, this woman, in a sense, was sitting at his feet, and he was feeding her, and that was much more, that spiritual food he was giving to her was much more important than the food the disciples were away looking for to fill their bellies with. It's Very, very, very important to fill your spirit with the Word of God. Feed on it. Uh, This is is how you grow spiritually, is feeding. If you didn't eat for a week, you'd be very, very weak. And yet we don't feed our spirit man. And we wonder why we're weak. That's the reason, because we're not feeding it. We feed it with everything else, don't we? I'm not against you watching TV or reading magazines or reading newspapers. I I do all of those things. I'm not against that. What I'm against is if that's all you do. Because if that's all you do, that's all you're feeding your spirit with. And guess what? It's going to shrivel up and die on you. And then you come to church. You say, I didn't get anything today. Guess what? You're never going to get anything if that's the case. You have to feed your spirit. And then when you come, you'll come with a new hunger. And that's why Thomas McLean said this morning, that's why the Chinese church can start church at 9 o'clock in the morning and go to 9 o'clock at night. You couldn't, we couldn't do that. It would kill us, wouldn't it? Why? Because we're not hungry enough. But they're hungry, you see. They'll sit all day taking notes because they mightn't get that again for months. And so they'll feed on that and they'll build up their spirit. No wonder they're strong believers. And so he set at his feet, the place of instruction. And then by his side, which is the place of fellowship, verse 12 says, The beloved of the Lord shall dwell safely by him or beside him depending on which translation you read. The beloved of the Lord shall dwell safely by him or beside him. This is the place of fellowship by his side. God wants us to fellowship with him. It's a relationship, spending some time in his presence, sometimes just sitting there, Sometimes just being there. Sometimes just sitting with your Bible on your lap and and, and times you're not even reading it. You're just there and maybe you have read it and you just set it down and you spend some time in His presence fellowshipping with the Lord. We spend time in each other's presence, don't we? We fellowship with one another, don't we? But He's the one who wants us to draw to His side. Do you remember how that Way early in Genesis chapter two, how that God put Adam to sleep, and he opened up his side, took out a rib, and from that rib he made Adam his bride, Eve, and brought her to and presented. Adam his bride from his side. And you remember how that on the cross, how that centurion to make sure that Jesus was dead. To make absolutely sure, he took a spear, and he plunged it into his side. And it says, there came forth water and blood. Let me give you some scriptures in a moment. We are saved by water and by blood. God, out of the side of Christ, out of that pierced side, supernaturally formed a bride for Christ. Christ which you are tonight, which we are collectively, the bride of Christ. Paul writing to Titus, Pastor Titus. Here's what he says in chapter 3 and verse 5. Well, verse 4 But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit which he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Notice that term by the washing of regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Spirit, which He poured out upon us, and then in Acts 22, the Apostle Paul was giving his testimony again, telling what happened and how how he had been struck blind in that experience in the Damascus Road, meeting Christ, and uh, how that he had been given instructions to go and wait until a certain disciple would come to him, and it says in verse twelve, and a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to see came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you would that you should know his will, and see the just one, and hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Did you notice that? And wash away your sins. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6… Apostle Paul, writing in verse 9, says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God such were some of you but you were washed and you were sanctified so we have here talking about the blood the cleansing and the washing these is on symbolic so in a sense we are washed and we are cleansed by the water of the word and by the blood of the lamb are you still with me no and this is the wonderful thing that god out of his son's side presented to him a bride and that bride is the church the bride of christ who one day he will present Spotless, blameless before the throne of God. It's a lovely thought to think. I have married many, many couples, dozens over the years. And one thing about the bride is, on that day, she is immaculately dressed. Her dress is spotless and clean. You and I will be presented before the Father's throne. And you may wonder, how can this happen? Because you know me, you know my heart, you say, say to God, how can this happen? But he will make it happen. Because he will cleanse and cleanse and cleanse. And actually reading the word of God actually helps. Wherewith shall a young man what is that scripture? Cleanse. What is it again? something quoted just out of my head there. Wherewith shall a young man will he cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto thy word? My brain just froze in that second there. Of course, that wouldn't happen to any of you lot. Sure it wouldn't. <laughs> and so there's something about reading the word of God that cleanses our spirit because of all of the dirt of the day that gets on us, uh, that's why we constantly need that place of fellowship and place of instruction and to be sitting at a side. Then it says, not only that, but on his shoulders, which is the place of strength. Verse 12, he shall dwell between his shoulders. That's a lovely statement, isn't it? He shall dwell between his shoulders. You remember in in Luke chapter 12, sorry, Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 4 to 6, how that uh, the image there of, of the shepherd going after that one lost sheep. And having found that one lost sheep, what does he do? He puts that sheep upon his shoulders and he comes back and he says, Rejoice with me, for I have found that sheep that was lost. And that image of a shepherd with a sheep on his shoulders has been depicted by artists for generations, hasn't it, of the, of the good shepherd with the sheep upon his shoulders. And what a lovely image that is for us, that when the sheep wanders away, because you know, sheep tend to wander, and they wander away uh, William used to tell, William Dick used to, you know, William's a farmer, and he used to say, if there's a hole in the hedge, a sheep would go out it, wouldn't it? <laughs> if there's a hole in the hedge, a sheep will find it, that will go out, and it'll wander away. But when the shepherd comes and lifts it on his shoulders, and it's been tired, and it's been weary, and it's maybe been hurt, and it's been cut and broken, but the shepherd comes, and he puts it on his shoulders, and he brings it home. What a beautiful picture of our great shepherd, our chief shepherd, when we're hurting and we wander and we get off the, the beaten track, as it were, he seeks us out and he brings us back on his shoulders, the place of, of strength on his shoulders. And it is a place of strength. Whenever you're a child, do you remember maybe your mother, your father, whenever you get tired, your wee legs couldn't carry you any further, and your mum or dad picked you up and put, them on, put you on their shoulders? Boy, it felt great, didn't it? You could see for miles, couldn't you, on the shoulders? Or if you remember watching a band parade or something like that coming up the street, uh, and your mom and dad put you on their shoulders, and you could see everything. It was great, and you caught them with the hair and you tore the hair out of them and all the rest of it. But, but anyway, it's lovely. It's a great image, isn't it? I, I was just thinking. I know it's it's old and everybody knows it, but I was just thinking on that, uh, how that uh, the Lord looks after us and 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 carries it on his shoulders. Remember the little story of footprints in the sand? Uh, there's always been an argument who actually wrote that. There's three or four different versions of it. Uh, Mary Stevenson wrote this version. I think it was 1936. She says, one night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints, other times there was only one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish and sorrow or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would always walk with me. But I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there have only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you most, have you not been there for me? The Lord replied, The times when you have only seen one set of footprints in the sand is when I carried you. And that's so true, isn't it? The times he carried us so many times. And then, finally, in his arms, the place of rest and comfort. Verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. What a comfort. What a peace to know that our God puts His everlasting arms around us. You go to bed at night, you're tired, life is thrown a lot at you, Why don't you just, before you close your eyes, say, Lord, thank you for putting your arms around me. Your everlasting arms are around me. Remember the prodigal when he came back from the far country? The stench of the pig pen was on him. What did the father do when he ran to meet him? What was the first thing he did? He put his arms around him, didn't he? And he held him ever so tight And he hugged him and hugged him and kissed him and kissed him. He was just so glad to see him come back. What a comfort in that moment. What a joy it must have been in the son's heart to feel those strong arms of his father welcoming and holding him tight. Letting him know that he cared, that he loved him, that he was forgiven, that he was safe, he was home safe. And what a blessing that is, isn't it? the place of comfort and rest. No wonder, verse 23 says, we are satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord. We're satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord. We are the happiest, most blessed people on the face of the earth. And if that's true, notify your face. Somebody says, if you're happy, notify your face. (laughs) Life sometimes just dumps on us, doesn't it? And there's those moments when it happens. But generally, by and large, we're happy believers, aren't we? Because the Lord is good, isn't He? Isn't His grace marvelous and His love fantastic? It's great. Lord, we bless you tonight. And we do thank you for giving us joy unspeakable and full of glory. We thank You, Lord, no matter what happens in life, we're going to win in the end. We thank You, Lord, that the war has been fought and won, and Lord, we're just facing skirmishes and battles, but the war has been won, and we bless You for that. So thank You for life eternal. Thank You for salvation free and full. Thank You for the gift of life. Thank You that our names are in the book of life tonight. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Lord, take us into this new week, Lord, with all that it may hold for each of us. Take us in, Lord, with blessing upon us and joy in our hearts and a smile on our face, knowing that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is within us. And thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. So we bless you for this tonight in Jesus' name and all God's people agreed and said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good.